Hey folks, welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, back with a brand new episode here joined by my co-host, my co-host James Johnson, who is the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire over at USA Today. Jay, we were away for a little bit. Um, we just have had a lot going on, you know, in our personal lives, but also just managing, you know, physical and mental health. But now we're ready to get back to business and excited to bring them a really, really great episode. Yeah, man, feel like it's been a, a while, but uh, nonetheless, like you said, we're back. Uh, you know, nothing like a good old break, you know, to get away from everything from a, for a little bit. Um, that's exactly what we did. Uh, feeling a little bit refreshed now and, uh, you know, ready to talk some Jags as there have been some things that's going on the last couple of weeks that, uh, you know, is uh, worth bringing up on the podcast and, and talking to the people about. So glad to be back. Yeah, no shortage of topics, that is for sure. And we're going to get into those here in just a moment. Before we begin, we just want to thank everybody that's gone out of their way to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. That's one of the best ways you can support the show, so we really, really appreciate it. And keep those comments coming. We love hearing your feedback. It's, it's very much um, appreciated and looked forward to. Um, along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on all of your favorite podcast directories, which also includes Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. As far as our social media accounts, you can find the podcast Twitter page at Believe in Jags Pod. I am at Phil the Filipino. That's F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. So we hope that if any of you had the opportunity to take Friday off in observance of Juneteenth, we hope that you took that time to educate yourself. I know that is what I did, admittedly, not knowing too much about Juneteenth because it's really just not something that's taught, especially in our public school systems. That's a whole other topic for a completely different kind of podcast. But um, I hope you guys were able to enjoy that long weekend if you were able to, but also able to put it to good use. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually gave their employees off this past Friday, and they said in a quote, the Jacksonville Jaguars will close their offices for a day of observation in honor of Juneteenth. Employees have been encouraged to take this day to learn about Juneteenth and race relations, to visit places in Jacksonville that are important to the heritage of the local black community, and to support black-owned businesses. All employees were provided resources on the history of Juneteenth, a list of local experiences in Jacksonville that bring the heritage of the black community and the city to life and a list of black owned businesses that they can patronize. So Jay, you know, not going to spend too much time on this, but it seems like a lot of companies went this route, which is great. Uh, My sister, she actually works at a company out in San Diego, California, and they even took a a couple hours off uh, as a company collectively to get on a zoom call and actually discuss Juneteenth. So they didn't have the day off, but they did have some time to just kind of talk about the importance of this day and what it means to the African-American community. So before we move on to some football related topics, um, you know, what do you think about the Jaguars giving their employees the opportunity to celebrate this holiday? Yeah. I mean, you know, much like it is for everybody that, you know, was given the opportunity to be off. It is awesome. And, you know, it's awesome in a sense that me, you said it, you know, when Shad Khan put out his essay, about how, uh, you know, racism will kill and, um, you know, all of the other things he mentioned in it 
uh, part of what we also mentioned was that we'll be watching him heading forward and, you know, what we what he would do for the community, for his players, for those who work for him and his other businesses, aside from the Jaguars, too. And, uh, you know, this is a, a step in that direction, you know, that we talked about, you know, the things that what will he do after the essay, basically. So, you know, that's good to to see the Jaguars had the day off. And, you know, hopefully it was a day well spent to educate you know, themselves on, um, and not just the Jaguars, it's other companies if they were given off, but to educate themselves on, uh, you know, black history and, and things around Jacksonville, or I guess in the case of his automobile company in Chicago, Illinois, which has a deep heritage of African-Americans. And uh, yeah, it's exciting to see uh, this thing go forward as well. You know, I'm sure from here on out, it'll be a routine thing and something that we'll see more commonly for other companies to join the fray, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. And just to echo, you know, after the some of the other sentiments that you said there, just wanting Shad Khan to come out and, and, you know, well, really just kind of the NFL owners in general. This has been a very, very hot topic. We haven't really heard from many of them. They are start slowly starting to trickle out with statements here or there. However, now it's time to, I guess, you know, essentially put your money where your mouth is, right? These are all billionaires. These These men are making plenty of money and they have the ability to make change and now this is a time where they can their actions are going to speak very very loudly so we'll move on to some news as far as the coaching staff jay which was received pretty positively i would say uh last week we did well i was about a week and a half ago now we did the top five worst draft prospects or draft uh, selections in dave caldwell's history that list kind of came, we got, I don't know that we got too much pushback from it, but I think it did raise a few eyebrows and we did put Denard Robinson on that list. Well, it's kind of interesting because of that timing. He now finds himself on the coaching staff. So this is a, a, an article that came up um, or that was posted up by Robert Ricks, who is a Jaguars wire contributor. Uh, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has ravaged the sports landscape and has possibly put the 2020 NFL season in jeopardy. However, that has not stopped the Jacksonville Jaguars from their usual preparations for the season. As previously reported, they recently made some additions to their coaching staff with the hirings of ex-Jaguar players Tony Gilbert and Denard Robinson. Gilbert was hired as an assistant linebackers coach. He once played the position for the Jags from 03 to 06 in a career spanning five years. Before that, however, he played at the University of Georgia where he crossed paths with Doug Marone, who was an offensive line coach. Uh, he said via Jaguars.com, this is Coach Marone, I've been tracking Tony for a while. He started out in junior college and was able to get on at UCF and help them out with the linebackers. I really felt good about getting Tony on board here, and he's excited to come. Of course, Robinson, who will be an offensive quality controls coach, is more known across the Jaguars fan base as he played for the Jags from 2013 to 2016 and was known for playing snaps at running back, wide receiver, and kick returner. Over his four-year career with the Jags, Robinson racked up 263 carries for 1,058 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. He had 47 receptions for 310 receiving yards and averaged about 22.1, or he did average 22.1 yards per kick return. Of course, Darren Robinson, we talked pretty extensively about him a couple weeks ago, Jay, about being the offensive weapon. They never really found a position for him. Well, it looks like he's found a position here on the coaching staff. So talk a little bit about these two guys. Admittedly, I don't really know too much about Tony Gilbert. I, I wasn't really familiar with the name, even though he was with the team for a few years and obviously much more familiar with Denard Robinson. But you know, what do you think about uh, Doug Marone bringing in guys that are going to be 
hopefully able to, you know, relate to the guys that are in the locker room still playing. Yeah, I actually like these hirings, um, especially the Robinson hiring. And he said it himself, Marone did, that, you know, he brought in Robinson uh, because he's played so many different positions on offense. You know, he played quarterback. He played uh, running back as well. You know, he he was this kind of weapon X, if you will. So, you know, he'll be the quality control, controls coach, which, uh, you know, from what I recollect, basically the, co- the quality controls assistant, what they do or a quality controls coach, what their job is to do is they kind of scout teams in advance. You know, while it'll be week one, uh, you know, Denard Robinson has already looked in advance to week two's opponent or week three's opponent. And by the time, you know, the team gets to that point, you know, his homework or the homework is already done or, you know, there's a start on the homework already being done on that next opponent. And then, you know, Denard Robinson, from what I gather, he kind of presents that to Doug Marone and say, you know, here, here's, you know, how we can attack this defense because he'll be on the offensive side of the ball. You know, these are some tendencies I saw this, that, and the other. So that's from what I gather what they do. Um, and I think, you know, he's, he's a perfect guy for that. You know, he, I did some coaching before this point, too, as well. So, you know, he's a relatively young coach, 29 years of age, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and me, you talked about this beforehand. The great part about it is when you're that young, he's a guy that literally could sit in on the locker room and talk to these young men and, you know, kind of serve as that medium. Because, you know, as as I said, Doug Marone's going to be kind of busy with his hands tied down as a, a head coach. You know, he can't be in the locker room like that. And you always do need somebody. In my opinion, the locker rooms that work out are the ones that communicate well with their players. And and I think Denard Robinson can kind of serve as that medium, being that he, you know, he's still young enough to still be playing, really. So, you know, there's that. And then Tony Gilbert is a guy I'm familiar with, of course, as a UGA fan. You know, he was one of those team leader kind of guys, one of those hard worker kind of guys in college. And, uh, you know, it kind of translated into the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. He was drafted by the Cardinals in the sixth round or somewhere around there. Uh, Ended up with the Jacksonville Jaguars that same year that he was drafted. And, uh, you know, he stuck around for some a couple years or whatever under the Jack Del Rio era. He was a backup with them. Uh, I don't think he ever started a game, but, you know, he was a serviceable, serviceable backup a guy that played a lot of special teams, this, that, and the other. So, you know, he's another guy that, you know, you look at his resume. He was with Georgia. I know he was with UCF as an assistant. You know, he's well-traveled in terms of the college uh, world, if you will. You know, he's been a coach and assistant on the college college level at several uh, pretty marquee programs. Auburn's another one that comes to mind that he was with as well. So, you know, he's another guy that when you consider that element of it, He's another guy that can communicate with young men well, too, uh, because that's essentially all he's done up until this point. You know, now he's talking to grown men basically now. But, you know, he's a guy that can serve as that medium on the defensive side as well as the assistant linebackers coach for Doug Marone and company. So good hirings. Can't wait to see where uh, things go for those two. Right. I don't think this um, I don't necessarily think there would be any kind of negative backlash now there were there were some smart people that you know that we did notice in the comment section talking about denard robinson and you know his tenure here as if it was as as if it was going to have any kind of impact on his ability to coach i mean that that kind of thinking is just ridiculous and it's not something that we're going to entertain but for denard i really hope that this works out he was previously at jacksonville university and uh, and uh, unfortunately their football program 
got shut down, which is just something you never want to see. So it's really great to see him land on his feet. It was wild because, you know, we talked about Denard Robinson and then we heard he was part of that march that the team did, which was really great. And then now he finds himself on the coaching staff. It seems like he's really kind of found his, uh, he's kind of really dug in his roots here in the city of Jacksonville. And even though it didn't work out necessarily for him as a player, I'm really, really rooting for him for it to work out here in terms of this uh, this coaching gig. So we'll see what happens with Denard and, uh, and of course, also uh, Tony Gilbert as well. So let's move on to the next little bit of news here, Jay. We've talked pretty extensively, I feel like, since the draft, uh, based off of their some of the selections that they made. The talk of the team utilizing a 3-4 defense has been really kind of all over the place, but seems like the coaching staff, specifically Todd Wash and Doug Marone, are telling people to kind of pump the brakes a little bit as far as speculation about the team moving to a 3-4. So with the Jags uh, using seven of their 12 draft picks on defense, it certainly looks like it certainly looked like the unit could predominantly use 3-4 looks, and this was the vibe many members of the media, including us, felt after talking to the staff in April, after selecting uh, players like pass rusher Kayla Von Chason and nose tackle Devon Hamilton, questions began to pour in about a 3-4 defense, and both Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell spoke of it in some way, shape, or form. However, in a recent Zoom call, it kind of seems like maybe they're walking those comments back. Um, this was between the media and Doug Marone, and then another one with uh, the defensive coordinator, as I mentioned, Todd Wash. And it appears that may not be that drastic of a change in scheme coming here in 2020. Um, Marone said, uh, we know systematically we're based off a four down alignment scheme, but we wanted to be able to increase our multiplicity and our front mechanics, meaning that there is a lot of different things that you can do in the back end. He would also say coverage wise, there isn't a lot of disguising and a lot of things we can do to create the moment of indecision, whether we're pressing or bailing or pressing and going into cover two, there's a lot of things you can do. And it's so much easier to be multiple in your coverage aspect. Um, pretty soon after Wash pretty much echoed the same statements. Uh, he added the reason for that was because he felt like the team wasn't built for two gapping principles, which is what a three, four defense is basically is typically based off of. Instead, he stated that the Jags were going to become a one gap penetrating front as we've seen since he's been the coordinator. Uh, he said on the zoom call, we're not built to be a two gap team. We're still going to be one gap single high. It's just guys playing different spots, changing some alignment. We have not installed a different, front from what we've used in our system in the past two years leverages and alignments are going to be a little different within our scheme um, a lot of comments here jay so it's just kind of interesting you know we we saw a lot of those comments from those zoom chats right after our zoom conference calls right after the draft happened and you know that's why we talked about it so extensively and now they're just kind of as i mentioned before kind of walking that back do you think maybe they're just trying to keep things under wrap to come out and maybe surprise some teams or do you think maybe this was all kind of blown out of proportion from the get-go? Uh, yeah, I think it was maybe kind of blown out of proportion. Though, you know, that would be a wise decision of them to kind of, like you said, keep it under wraps and be low-key about it and, then, you know, throw some looks at people uh, that I guess you could say some weren't expecting. But uh, I, I do more so think that this is basically uh, them just saying dial it back because I think, you know, Todd Wash is a guy we've never really seen him use a predominant three, four, you know, that was always my question as you know, over the last few months when we were discussing the three, four, can, can Todd Wash like coach that or, or has he ever, you know, been in a situation where 
he has predominantly used a three four and he hasn't based off of his history. So, you know, I don't I don't know that the three four defense is something that, you know, you would necessarily even want Todd Wash uh trying to implement, if you will. Uh but I mean like when he says things like, you know, they don't have a lot of people that could and I'm just paraphrasing him here that can do two gapping or whatever the case may be. You know, that's why a lot of people speculated that they were going to go to a three fours because they actually do have a lot of linemen that can two gap, if you will. I mean, you look at me like I already had it in my mind made up if they were going to use three four that they had the linemen to do so. You look at Devon Hamilton, who can be a nose tackle. You look at Taven Bryant, who could be a defensive end in a 34. Uh, you look at um, there's some others on that line that's just escaping my mind. Uh, Taven Bryant. Von Hamilton, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, yeah, um, Rodney Gunter, who they added, of course, in free agency. Those are your three starting linemen right there. And then you got Al Woods, the veteran, who's the oldest player on the team. You know, he could play nose tackle. He's done it before in the past. Uh, that's your backup nose tackle or starting nose tackle, whatever the case may be. Uh, so, you know, you you ha- they had people on this team and that can two-gap, and I didn't understand him saying that. Um, but nonetheless, you know, Looks like we're going to be seeing more of the same think along the lines of what we saw in the season finale against the Colts, you know, in terms of the multiplicity that they they mentioned upset for basically by multiplicity. What I'm gathering, they mean is they could change personnel in terms of the people that's on the field. You know, they now have Cassius Marsh who can play strong side linebacker. They now have uh Kayla Von Chason, who could play strong side linebacker as well. You know, they even mentioned Yannick Ngakwe as well as a guy that maybe they're holding hope on that he'll play. We don't know how that'll go exactly, but, you know, you can see multiple personnel is what they basically were saying, but um, it'll still be a 4-3 looks like for the most part. Uh, looks like we might see more of the strong side linebacker playing on the line of scrimmage with the four down lineman, which we saw quite a bit of last year, you know, it was typically, I guess you could say like Leon Jacobs. Oftentimes you would see him playing on the line of scrimmage with the defensive line from two point stands. I think we might see a little bit more of that. Maybe we'll see. Um, but time will tell where this goes and uh, we'll see what kind of coverages they run on the back end too, as well, which is something that you said Marone mentioned uh, based off our article. Yeah. Like you mentioned there, Jay, for Todd Wash to come out and say they don't really have the personnel for it was just kind of confusing to me because they do <laughs> like you just said. So I don't know. I, I think maybe we're going to see it a little bit more than they are alluding to. I think maybe they came to the decision that, well, we were trying to keep this thing under wraps, but now people have just kind of run with it. So, you know, uh, the element of surprise is is something that can be very, very valuable, especially when it comes to the defense, you know, with things, so heavily favored in the um, in terms of the offensive side of the football um, you know maybe they're just trying to keep things under wraps like I mentioned but it is uh, remain to be seen hopefully if we are able to get to some live football you know as well as also training camps you know that whole thing is also up in the air who knows what they're going to try to do and maybe Jade has something to do with that with the fact that we're not going to get a regular training camp and maybe something they did want to implement they're not going to have time to do that now so maybe they're just going to try and and keep with what they're familiar with as opposed to implementing something brand new without being able to see everybody in person, or at least not as much as they want to. But that being said, we will move on to a couple uh, our primary topics here for this week, and they have to do with 
players that uh, aren't on the team, but a lot of folks have a lot of opinions as to whether or not they may end up here. Now, the first one we'll go with as far as um, a couple of these players is Jamal Adams, of course, from the New York Jets. Jay, he was a guy that I was big time lobbying for for the Jags to take. I mean, could you imagine how different things may have been if we had a Jalen Ramsey and Jamal Adams secondary? Like, man, it's something I've done in Madden. I can tell you it works really well. So, (laughs) but unfortunately, it never happened in real life. Uh, This past uh, this past week, he did inform the New York Jets that he wants to be traded. League sources told ESPN and NFL media on Thursday that Adams' frustration with the franchise over his next contract led to the trade demand. According to ESPN, the two-time Pro Bowler would welcome a trade to seven teams. The Baltimore Ravens, Dallas Cowboys, Houston Texans, don't know about that, Jamal, Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, San Francisco 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks. So, if you guys noticed, Jacksonville Jaguars not on that list. <laughs> not surprising that they did not make that list. Uh, my Dallas Cowboys are on there, and admittedly, as far as an entertainment standpoint, I would love to see him on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, but the one thing that those teams have in common, they are all looking to make runs at the Super Bowl this year or in the very, very near future. The Jets have no plans to trade Adams, but the all-pro defensive back could force a deal uh, by staging a holdout in training camp, according to ESPN. He has two years remaining on his rookie deal after the team picked up his fifth-year option in April. Adams' trade request comes after he said earlier Thursday on social media. He said, quote, maybe it's time to move on. Now, Jay, this is reminding a lot of people around here um, about the Jalen Ramsey situation where Jalen just got fed up. And I don't know if it was necessarily about money for Jalen. I'm pretty sure he's come out and said that. Uh, however, for, for Jamal Adams, it does seem to be all centered around his contract. Now, a lot of people have been floating around on Jaguar Twitter. The prospect of sending Yannick Ngakwe, as well as some draft picks, maybe an extra first-round pick, something along those lines to go and get Jamal Adams. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, he plays strong safety, so he would be uh, essentially coming in to replace Ronnie Harrison, if, I, uh, if I'm if i saying that correctly. So you correct me if I'm wrong, as I mentioned. But what do you think about the prospect of Jamal Adams, you know, maybe being on the radar here? I don't, I don't see it happening. However, it's such a hot topic of conversation, we just had to bring it up. Uh, yeah, like, well, with the way that uh, the Jaguars use their safeties, they're kind of interchangeable anyway. So there's that. So, you know, you can't I guess you can't necessarily say he'd be replacing Harrison or Gerard Wilson. I more so tend to think he would be replacing Gerard Wilson anyway, if you want to go that route. Um, But, you know, and and this is the thing about Adams, though. Uh, He's such a versatile safety and um, he plays it in a way while safety is in a premium position. He plays it in a premium way where he's kind of this this rare breed of safety that can kind of do it all. I mean, he could tackle. He's a good locker room guy, by the way, too, from what they were saying. Uh, you know, I, I think he can do single high coverage as well. He could do, you know, double uh, half coverage as well, which you see in cover two with two safeties. Whatever the case may be, you know, whatever you need, he can do. That's why he's so special. And he's one of those guys, you know, it's, it's times where somebody will be on the trade market or in his case, he's not necessarily on the trade market, but somebody will be demanding a trade or on the trade market where it's just a a matter of that player is so good that every team in the league at least needs to call and, and do an inquiry basically. And Jamal Adams is one of those players because like I say, he is so versatile. He is a guy that can play safety 
in a variety of ways. I mean, he's a guy, I mean, you can argue that Jamal Adams is probably a top 30 player in the league along those lines. He does the, uh, he plays the safety position that well. So uh, that being said, I mean, I think, you know, while the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't like a desired location. And one thing about it is when players are traded, you know, oftentimes about seven times out of 10, they don't necessarily dictate where they're traded to. You know, that's why we kind of shine the light on AJ Boye's situation at the cornerback position, if you will, you know, uh, how, you know, Dave Caldwell reportedly came to him and, you know, they let him choose his destination of the people that had offered, uh, you know, to, to make a trade happen. Um, I'm not sure if they did that with Calais, but they I guess you could say they did Calais right by sending him to a contender as well. But oftentimes, you know, sometimes with trades, it don't happen that way. You know, it's look, these are the teams that's calling that has a have a deal on the table. Um, If you want to get traded, you know, kind of take it or leave it type of deal. Which one of these teams you would like to go to? Uh, we'll see if we can iron something out with them. And then, you know, the rest is history. So, you know, I don't know that he can dictate where he's going to go. And, you know, the, the um, one of the things you mentioned, too, was uh, the Houston Texans and Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the link there is because he's from Texas. Um, I forget where he's from in Texas, but that's uh, where the connection comes in there. So that'll put him closer to home. I think it's Louisville, Texas, um, off the top of my head. So anyway, Jamal Adams is a guy, you know, like I said, man, what, 24 years old, not even 25 yet, had like an 88 point something on PFF. You won't get better safety play, simply put, out of anybody out there. I mean, it might be one or two safeties that may have had a higher grade than him, but, I mean, make no mistake about it, man. That would be a good get. That would be a good locker room addition for the Jacksonville Jaguars, like you said. Um, The, the question, I mean, of course, Jacksonville is in the desired spot, which I've already said. But the thing about it is, what if Jacksonville came to the New York Jets? And this is how I think they have a slim chance. I'm not saying it's a high chance, but what if Jacksonville hypothetically go to the New York Jets? They knew they do need a pass rusher. They were mentioned in the Yannick and Gakwe sweepstakes uh, when, you know, Yannick first started going off and saying he wanted to trade and this, that and the other. They were one of the teams that people mentioned that could use a pass rusher. So, you know, maybe Yannick and Gakwe can fill the void of them necessarily have to give them a first round pick. And maybe it could be Yannick and Gakwe and maybe a third or a fourth. You might can even get away with maybe a fourth. Because the thing about it is for Jamal Adams to even come to Jacksonville, you he's going to want a new contract right off rip. Kind of like Calais Campbell when he was traded to the Ravens. As soon as he was traded, they gave him a new contract. This is the kind of deal that if Jacksonville is to have any kind of a chance, that's what they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to pay him, which is what he wants to be paid to be the highest safety in football. So basically, you know, Dave Caldwell, if there is, if there's any chance that he can get him, you know, you probably could put Yannick on the table and this is just hypotheticals here. Uh, that'll avoid you having to give them a first round pick, uh, give them a fourth or a third in addition with that, have the deal ready. Soon as uh, Jamal Adams is traded, that way he'll be enticed to say, yeah, I'll take that deal. I, I wouldn't mind going to Jacksonville, especially if they're going to pay me to be the top paid safety in football. So we'll see what happens. Um, I, if I had to guess, just and this is just me speculating right now, uh, he probably suits up for the, the Jets right now. But we'll see a lot of people throwing out Tampa Bay as a desired destination as well. But we'll see. Uh, but that's my uh, hypothesis on what the Jets could do on their end. 
if they are to have any chance to make this happen. And it would be a great addition, by the way, because they don't have a lot of premium players on this team, so they can really, really use him. I mean, purely from a fan standpoint, where I'm looking at it from, this would be an incredible get. As you mentioned, you know, not a lot of star power right now on the team outside of, you know, of course, there was Minshew Mania that took people by storm. And now you're really trying to reinvent the identity of your entire defense when just a couple of years ago, people thought it was going to be the next great defense in the NFL. And now it's just all fallen apart. Uh, just the other day, uh, Jay, um, I came across a picture that Leonard Fournette posted just a couple of years ago and it had, uh, who did it have? And it had him, of course, but it had Jalen, AJ Boye. Um, it had uh, who else? Barry Church, Deshaun Gibson. All those guys are gone now. <laughs> There's, they're all gone. But they're trying to, uh, you know, find this new identity. We got the Forty Gang. You know, of course, we're gonna have Calevon, and we got Miles Jack as well as uh, Josh Allen and those guys. And I'm really excited to see what happens for them. But as you mentioned, you know, despite this, Jamal Adams has we have heard he's a very very good locker room guy and who's to say that you know some this team doesn't surprise some people next year and this this is a topic jay and i are going to get into probably in the next few weeks as far as why the team may be may surprise some people and we're going to talk about the defense specifically in a future episode but you know maybe he wants to he gets he gets to come here and like you mentioned he doesn't really have yeah you can name those teams and say where you want to go but he doesn't really have control of that you know what i mean so if the jets feel like you know, they, they've been wrong. They're just going to keep, they're just going to take the best offer. Unlike what Jacksonville did for Calais and AJ Boye, they may have been better offers on the table, but AJ and Calais were so instrumental as part of this locker room, as part of this team, as part of this community, they did them a solid and they, they shipped them off to, you know, places that they wanted to go to. So the Jets don't have to do that. And I don't think they would, honestly, I think this thing has probably got to the point very similarly to how it did with here they, you know, with uh, how it did with Jalen and the Jets can say all they want as far as, you know, we don't want to, we don't plan on moving him, but we all know that means that they're probably listening. And if you can send Yannick, who has been, of course, you know, as clear as day, who we haven't, I, admittedly, I did unfollow him on social media, but haven't heard too much from Yannick Ngakwe recently, not sure where that stands. But if you can move Yannick, who has been very, very vocal about not wanting to be here anymore, and a third or fourth round pick, for, like you said, Jay, a top 25, top 30 player, maybe even higher, one of the best safeties in the league, he's a do-it-all kind of guy, then you better call the Jets right now. I can't remember who their GM is off the top of my head, but you better call them right now and put that offer on the table before he ends up in Tampa or Kansas City or Houston. God forbid he ends up, he ends up in Houston, and you got to play him two times a year. Now, <laughs> with the, based off the leadership they have there in Houston, I don't hold a lot of faith in that front office for them to pull that off. So, and yeah, he, like you said, Jay, he is from Louisville. So yeah, 24 years old, multiple time pro bowler. If you can go get a guy like Jamal Adams, who I think they should have taken to begin with over Leonard Fournette in that draft, then go get him. But I, I don't see it happening, but they do have the ammunition to go get him. Yeah. A few things I want to comment on, on what you said to uh, Jets GM is Joe Douglas, uh, formerly from if I can recall, he came from the Philadelphia Eagles and they had to literally pry him from the Eagles. He was like the guy under Howie Roseman, if you will, like he was like the lieutenant, basically. So that's who the Jets uh, GM is. Um, and like you said, again, yeah, they could use a pass rusher. Um, I mean, I don't see why Joe Douglas wouldn't at least listen to a deal where he could get Yannick and Gakwe. Don't know if that would 
exactly happened. And in terms of, you know, adding Adams, which again, like we say, we, we believe it's a long shot. Um, and as a matter of fact, they're not even listed on the odds for Vegas in terms of, you know, the teams that have a chance to get them. I guess Vegas just took all of the teams that Adam Schefter listed as suitors or that that Adams wants to go to or desired destinations. But uh, the Jags aren't listed in terms of odds. So, you know, there's no prop bets or anything we could do on that. Uh, but yeah, man, like one thing that if Dave Caldwell could pull this off and he's made some good moves this offseason, despite how we feel about him. You know, and and I'm I'm a guy I'm a guy that have said you know Dave Caldwell was a young GM, uh you know he he kind of got dealt the bad hand and then Tom Coughlin messed up the progress that he had made. So you know I'm not one of these guys that like some of the fans do that absolutely despise Dave Caldwell and think he's done nothing for the team. He's actually made some things work, and you know this is something that I can see him at least inquiring about. But you know this would go from you know, where we were last year and where we are now to Henderson, Adams, Harrison, Hayden, and Herndon in the secondary. That's a that's a very good secondary. That's a top six, top five or four secondary if he can get Adams, that is. And I mean, like we said, man, you know, it might take a little Henderson a little time to to get there in terms of I guess you could say get to where we want him to be and where we drafted him to be, basically, because you know need I remind you, this kid is not going to have a regular offseason to prepare himself. So he's going to kind of get thrown to the wolves, as will all the other rookies. But eventually, you know, me and Phil do think he has the talent to get there. But, you know, to have Henderson, Adams, um, Harrison, if he can play a little bit better and be healthier. Uh, Hayden is a guy that's a top three nickel cornerback. Trey Herndon is a guy that we were saying, you know, he started to uh, put it all together late in the season. That's a very respectable secondary. And for Dave Caldwell to flip, you know, what he had in the past with Church and the guys that you mentioned in that picture, basically Gip um, and and um, AJ and all of them and Ramsey to this kind of a secondary, that would be huge. That would be huge. I would love to see it. So um, I wanted to say that. And um, in terms of the money, I know people are probably going to ask about that as well. Um, if I can recall the 18 million that, so on the franchise tag is ingested into the cap and the Jaguars have, um, and I'm talking about Yannick and Gakwe's franchise tag. So they'll be essentially, if they did trade him, they would be giving that off to the, um, the Jets. So I'm thinking that would mean that 18 million will be freed up. If a deal like that happened, they can pay Adams with that 18 million that they just freed up. And of course it won't take all of that, but they could just flip that money and pay Adams with it. Uh, but currently with Yan's franchise tag, I think last time I checked, they had like 20 million according to the NFLPA's calculation in the salary cap. Uh, but the thing is about that is, you know, some of that's going to be deducted for the rookie picks because all of the rookies aren't signed. I mean, I think they signed only three so far. So it's uh, what nine left to be signed. So you got to that 20 million is more along the lines of off the top of my head, like four to five million, maybe three million, something like that. So. Clearly, with Yannick on the roster, they probably can't get a deal done to even entice Adams to get here. But if they did trade uh, Yannick, then they definitely can get something done. And I think the highest salary for a safety on average would be what Eddie Jackson is making. And it's like $14.6 million a year. Um, I think the Jaguars could afford that in terms of they they probably would do a cap hit of try something along the lines of $8 million on the year or $7 million or something. But it could happen, but it's a slim chance, and they probably have to trade Yannick and Gakwe to make it happen. 
So Jay, I want to just have a little follow up there as far um, something else you mentioned when we were talking about CJ Henderson. And yes, like you said, we do believe that he is going to have the tools to become a top notch corner in the league. However, I mean, we're, we've already talked about this, you know, we're going to have this altered training camp in this off season that we've like, we've never seen before. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that being able to help CJ as much as possible would be, you know, detrimental or not detrimental would be very, very important to his growth. And what better way to help him out than bringing a top notch safety to help him out over the top. I mean, wouldn't that be beneficial to everybody on the defense, but especially CJ. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. That would really, really help a young man that's getting thrown into the fire and then is having an irregular offseason that many rookies haven't had to deal with, you know, so that is something to think about. And something else I thought about when you asked that question, too, is, you know, and this goes back to the Todd Wash 3-4 thing or, you know, what what you mentioned in the Todd Wash thing. I always wonder, like, is Todd Wash going to adjust the scheme in terms of the secondary to run more man-to-man coverage? If you're going to run more man-to-man coverage, bringing in a guy like Jamal Adams definitely could help you too as well from that perspective. I mean, he again, he could do it all, but, you know, that, that helps you with that uh, versatility that they're probably looking for. So, you know, Adams is a guy that if you're Dave Caldwell, I don't think, you know, you, you can't afford to sit at home and not ask Joe Douglas about this type of deal. You know, you at least have to call him and inquire about it. And I think, you know, I don't have a source on this or anything. I think he will. I mean, every team should, but Dave Caldwell definitely should with the ammunition they have. Yeah, you definitely hope that he would. As you mentioned, the only thing I, that I would feel like would prevent it would be that they're just so dug in on keeping Jan and somehow believing that once everything, you know, comes back to some semblance of normalcy when it comes to people being in the building, that maybe he'll come around and they'll be able to sit down and talk. I think we're past that. And I think he, he's just a really good piece and uh, to use in an opportunity, you know, just like this, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about this with Ian Rappaport, you know, how many draft picks do you need? And now we, they ended up using all 12 in this past, in this past uh, April's draft, which really, really shocked us. So, I mean, how many more draft picks do you need? You have an opportunity to, to go get a piece and a player that could be the cornerstone of your defense moving forward. And yeah, like I said, I, I hope he at least calls. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, he will. I mean, I think any GM, like, with just common sense probably will call and just inquire about it. Uh, But, uh, yeah, one more thing I wanted to say, too, is, and I know you can never really have enough pass rushes. I'm I'm a huge advocate of that. Uh, But in this case, like, how many chefs, in terms of keeping Yannick, how many chefs you want in the kitchen? I know you probably, in the Jag situation, they probably want Yann over chase on in terms of seeing a majority of the snaps but look they drafted chase on second with their second first round pick if you bring yan into this equation like how are you going to get that young man on the field you know like i mean i guess you can probably i don't know maybe put him at um strong side linebacker and maybe yan at defensive end maybe they'll figure out some but i mean the jags haven't shown the capacity or the ability to put that much talent on the field at the same time you know what i'm saying like it was you know, last year it was times where we like Josh Allen needs to get on the field more. And it's been times in the past where we were saying this player, uh, Miles Jack is another one, needs to get on the field more. Can Todd Wash, can can he use this many good players at one time? Can he do it is the question. And if, if the answer to that is no, then maybe you are better off 
trading Yannick Ngakwe for Jamal Adams, you know, because we've gone through this in the past where, you know, we just had too much talent and the person that is calling the plays essentially doesn't know how to utilize all of that talent. But if there is a plan in place uh, for Yannick and Chase on to see significant time on the field, then maybe the Adams thing, you probably don't go that route. But otherwise, that's another thing you got to think of. Certainly a lot to, you know, to think about and a lot of different opinions coming in from all over the place. I think if you asked a majority of Jaguar fans and you know what, Jay, we'll put this on our uh, on a poll. You know, I know we did that. Uh, you did that on the Jaguars wire. I have not seen the results, but we'll put it up on Twitter as well. You know, would you like to see the Jags ship off Jan for Jamal or just go get Jamal Adams in general? I think we would find a majority of fans would be in favor of a move like that. But again, as we mentioned, you know, we, we don't think the chances are very high. However, it, it does seem to work out in our heads, at least when we get to put on our GM caps, it does seem like it would work. But, you know, it's yet to be seen. My, my guess, Jay, is that he ends up on a team, like whether it be Dallas, uh, if I don't know if they would, I mean, admittedly, I would love to see that as well. Uh, but looking at the list of other teams that are on there, I don't think he ends up on any one of those teams. Uh, just like I don't believe the Rams were on Jalen's. I'm not sure if Jalen had a list or not, but I, I'm not sure if he wanted to end up in L.A. I guess that's yet to be seen. But if I had to guess, it's going to be a team that we don't really or haven't really talked about yet that ends up with Jamal Adams. But we'll keep an eye on it for sure. So we're going to move on to another player that's been linked to the Jaguars that actually has been linked to them, as opposed to how Jamal Adams has not been linked to us whatsoever. And that, of course, Jay, being Colin Kaepernick. Now, of course, we all know what has gone on with the Colin Kaepernick saga over the last few years. And uh, he's been out of the league uh, since, I believe, 2017. Uh, again, correct me if I am wrong on that, Jay. But um, Shad Khan has come out and said he would be open to signing uh, Colin Kaepernick. It wasn't. Uh, it was relayed via Twitter. Um, but according to 1010XL, Khan said that he would not have knelt during the North National Anthem to protest social injustice, uh, but he does respect his right to his beliefs as far as Colin Kaepernick goes. Now, odds makers in Vegas have listed us uh, as, um, I think, the sixth best odds to land Colin Kaepernick. Now, I'm not the best when it comes to things like this. We usually uh, defer to our friend, Coach Nick, <laughs> who we're going to have on uh, pretty soon. He also has a new show over here on the Believe Network. Uh, Jay, it's, it's escaping me. Uh, yeah, it's called The Game Plan with Nick Trisson. I think he has two episodes up. Yeah, he has two episodes up um, where he talked to Ben Bowling from Campbell University, and he talked to uh, Kareem Reed, uh, according to the title at least, uh, who is from uh, HFC Griffin High School. So uh, I, I listened to that first episode or a majority of it, man. He put in some quality work, man. Again, like I said, you know, when he joined us, man, these are the guys that helped me get to where I am. So, you know, it's, it's neat to see, you know, Nick kind of now follow the trend and, and join the Believe Podcast Network and join the Believe family. Um, and I know he's going to do very, very good things with the Believe Podcast Network, man. I can't wait to see where his podcast goes, man. So proud of him and happy for him. Absolutely. We just wanted to give him that quick shout out there because, yeah, we do usually defer to him when it comes to betting odds. Uh, the way that it breaks down fractionally, which is the way that I understand it, is 15 to 2 uh, odds as far as the Jaguar signing Colin Kaepernick. And these were odds that were released from Odd Shark via Bet Online. Uh, the other teams that were listed here: uh, Baltimore Ravens, who are the favorites; uh, Seattle Seahawks, Houston Texans, L.A. Chargers, 
Kansas City Chiefs uh, that we also have listed on here, the Minnesota Vikings, Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting, Jay. Those are also some of the teams that have been linked to Jamal Adams as far as uh, odds. So, you know, it makes sense. And this is a our SI article uh, from John Shipley, who was a very good Twitter follow. You know, if you guys want to go follow him. Of course, the Jaguars currently have four quarterbacks on the roster with Minshew, Mike Glennon, Josh Dobbs, and sixth-round rookie Jake Luton. Uh, Kaepernick has made more starts and found more success in his career than any other passer on the Jaguar roster, but it appears that the Jaguars are set at quarterback for now. Now they are going all in on Minshew. Of course, they do like Josh Dobbs and they see Mike Glennon as maybe possibly being like their, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh McCown type of guy coming in to help out Minshew. Uh, Jay, there's going to be a lot of talk about this, and I know that opinions are going to be all over the place. Some for the right reasons, as far as football related only, some for the wrong reasons when it comes to his political stances and his, you know, his, his peaceful protests back in 2017, when it comes down to kneeling for the national anthem. Now I'll say this before I let you chime in. So I, I do think that we are in a place now where a Colin Kaepernick signing would not be as a, um, the the reaction wouldn't be as negative as it may have once been in any market. Um, now, Jacksonville, of course, it's a military town. All right. Jacksonville, Florida, for the most part is, I would say, even if it's a slight majority, it's majority conservative. I think that's a pretty, uh, I think that's pretty obvious, especially with the, uh, the RNC uh, coming down here within the next couple of weeks. However, we are in this, type uh, we are in this movement right now right jay we're seeing it all over the place you know we are we black lives matter is no longer a debate this is a this is something where we are stating this there is no uh, you know opposition that you can you can give us that we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna entertain these kind of conversations anymore black lives matter this is what needs to happen this is what needs to go down um now from a football side of thing when you you're investing in Gardner Minshew, you know, you ship off Nick Foles. So there's no longer any type of, you know, distraction or looking over his shoulder. What does, what would it do to, you know, a young man who, who seems to be putting in the work, you know, he looks like he's put on some weight. Uh, Gardner Swoleshoe is what I've referred to him as. And, you know, I I'm rooting for the guy. I really, really am. Um, but what is it going to do to a development of a rookie quarterback or not a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback, I should say, who has been told you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. Uh, well, but we're going to look into Colin Kaepernick, who's been to a Super Bowl, by the way, Jay, who is kind of like his style of play now fits in with where the league is going with the the Deshaun Watsons, the Lamar Jacksons, the Russell Wilsons. Colin Kaepernick was doing this years ago, and it was revolutionary and and changed how you know quarterbacking has been played. And now we're seeing it done on a totally different level between. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as how do you think he fits? Um, what do you think the reaction would be from the city in general? You've lived here. You lived here for a long time. You you understand how this city, you know, how the city runs. But also, how do you think it would affect Gardner Minshew on a football level in terms of his growth and his development that they hope to see this year? Yeah. So in terms of uh, like you said, yeah, I have lived in Jacksonville for a while now. Oh, well, not now currently, but I did live in Jacksonville a while and went to college there. But going to what you were saying about, like, you know, uh, the the landscape and the, the demographic, if you will, uh, I don't necessarily just based off of a lot of what we've seen on Twitter and Facebook. I don't necessarily 
think a lot of people in terms of the uh, Republican National Convention coming to Jacksonville, I don't know that a lot of people in Jacksonville necessarily want it there. You know, like just based on, especially if you follow the people that we follow, they've been kind of vocal about not wanting it there. Um, and that's what I'll say about that. So in, in terms of Minshew looking over his shoulder now, um, this is my thing about it is I don't think he would have a lot to necessarily worry about. And that's not to say that Colin Kaepernick is not a good quarterback. In fact, I, I'm a big thorough believer in Colin Kaepernick. Um, and I, I liked what he did when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think, you know, had they been able to keep Harbaugh and, and that, a majority of that staff into to place, he would still be a star to this day. And I think he's super talented. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I don't think Gardner Minshew would have a lot to worry about in the sense that Colin Kaepernick has been away from football for three years. So if you're looking over your shoulder and you're worried about somebody who hasn't played football in three years, then you're not the guy yourself in Gardner Minshew. So I think, you know, had Ka- Colin Kaepernick been active and playing football over this time, yeah, it would definitely be something for him to worry about. But I think, it, it, you know, if Colin Kaepernick returns, then I think he will and I think he should. Well, I hope he will. And I think he should. And I've, I've been vocal about that in the past, too. I, I mean, I've said it on the radio as well that Colin Kaepernick deserves to be in the NFL he, even back then, you know, when the, the kneeling was going on. But in terms of that, you know, I don't think Gardner Minshew right now has a lot to worry about. Now, when, you know, Colin gets some some experience back in the NFL or if he does under his shoes and, and whatnot, then, you know, maybe we'll have to start considering if he can start again or whatever the case may be. But let's get him in the lead first before we even go that route. So, you know, that's how I feel about that. I don't think adding Colin Kaepernick, and that's why I would be a advocate of adding him. And I think that's why the Jaguars should look into it uh, because it does, you know, it doesn't mean that he's going to start at least not for this year. Um, you know, if it's a two year deal, maybe next year, you know, if Gardner Mitchell is the guy and he falls flat on his face, maybe next year you can maybe start Colin Kaepernick if he's on a, you know, multi-year deal or, you know, chances are if Gardner Mitchell isn't the guy either, this is some hypothetical stuff to think about. You're probably looking for a new head coach, but if you got, Colin Kaepernick on the roster, you know, maybe you start thinking about bringing in Greg Roman as your head coach and restarting what the 49ers had back in back, you know, back in the time when they had a run with Harbaugh and them. So, you know, that that's something to think about as well. Now, in terms of uh, the fans going back to the fans, if you will, I think owners should definitely be on board because they can't use attendance as an excuse. They can't use the fans as an excuse. And again, there are some fans that do want Colin Kaepernick on their teams, by the way. But the the owners could not use attendance as an excuse because I'm of the belief of this. If we do have football and we have football games, I don't think fans should be able to attend. And if they do, I think it should be a minimal amount of fans that can attend. You know, 50%, maybe even less than that, which the NFL has thrown out there. But uh, deep in my heart, I believe that fans shouldn't be able to attend at all. So from that perspective, you know, owners, you know, it's, it's really not a better time for owners to jump on board with this, especially from that standpoint, too. In addition to we're just at a different place than we were in 2017 uh, in terms of the kneeling and, and uh, racial inequality and, and this, that and the other. So that's where I'm at on it. Now, as for in the past, now, I wasn't. Well, I guess I won't even say I. Sh- I shouldn't say 
that I wasn't open to it, but I just was of the belief that it wouldn't happen with Tom Coughlin in-house, basically. Not only that, but there was also the whole Blake Bortles thing where they had uh, they had him, they wanted him to be the guy. And if you look at Colin Kaepernick and Bortles' numbers, by comparison, they are identical in some key areas. So, I mean, from that perspective, especially when Kaepernick was closer to being active back then, it would have caused a quarterback competition, which I was fine with. That's what I thought Blake Bortles needed at the same time, but I just didn't think that the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted that. So that being said, now it's a little bit different. He's been three years or so removed from football. You know, you bring him back into football, you would think like he, as I said earlier, basically he wouldn't pose a threat to start to Gardner Minshew like that. And if Gardner Minshew was so threatened by him uh, off the rip, then that would say a lot about Gardner Minshew. And he's probably not your franchise quarterback as well. But, you know, I think like basically in a nutshell, what most are thinking is to get Kaepernick in the league first. Um, He'll probably enter the league as a backup, maybe get, you know, some experience under him, get, you know, get a feel for the game again. And then maybe next year, maybe he can find a starting gig again. You know, I guess that's just too far into the future to tell right now. But in terms of if I think the Jags would do it, I don't think they would. I mean, they have what four quarterbacks in their room right now. Uh, Had they not added Glennon, when was it last month or month before last? I definitely would say maybe there's a chance. and, And especially with the fact, like you laid out, with uh, 1010 XL shot concept, he was open to it many, many years ago to them at least. And that being said, shot con is now the final decision maker. You know, we went through all of that uh, this off season when, when Tom Coughlin was let go or, well, that was after Tom Coughlin was let go. But when Dave and Doug Marone had the presser, you know, it was clear that, you know, now basically shot con is the final say guy. And I guess you could say, Dave Caldwell, in terms of personnel and draft decisions, is under him, and then it just trickles trickles down from so on and so forth. But with Shad Khan now being the lead guy in the front office, it's his front office essentially. There is no Tom Coughlin in the way. Uh, you know, you have to think there there maybe is a slim possibility that it could happen. I guess one of the worries that I I would have about bringing him in is you know we mentioned or you mentioned you know he hasn't played a down of football in three years, you know, and you cannot simulate this game off of the field. There's nothing like it. It's truly unique. There's no situation that Colin Kaepernick could have been put in to mimic what he was going to go through in an NFL game. you know, unless we had eventually seen him in the AAF, which, uh, you know, didn't happen. The XFL rest in peace. Uh, we never got that opportunity to see Colin. So, you know, while he can be in excellent shape and, I think that he probably is. And that's what reports are saying is that he's in the best shape of his career. You know, he still hasn't played a football game. I think the issue would come if, you know, say Minshew struggles and they end up putting in Kaepernick for some reason, or if Minshew gets hurt, you know, God forbid, then and Ka- Kaepernick comes in, and he starts performing better than Minshew. Then does that maybe, you know, cause a, a, an issue? I, I'm not sure. But I, I do think the quarterback room is full. And I would, like you said, back in the Jags Den days with Yumi and Jacob, we we certainly talked about this and lobbied for the Jaguars to bring in Colin Kaepernick and welcomed that quarterback competition because we believed, and, and to this day, that Blake Bortles was not the guy and that Kaepernick could have elevated this team to the next level. Uh, 
I'm not, I, I would like to see it happen. I, I just don't think it is going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, but I do think it would be good for the team. I'm with you. I, I definitely think he's he's heading towards being back in the league. Now, we keep hearing these reports. Oh, teams are interested. Teams are interested. Well, he hasn't had a workout yet. You know, we haven't seen him show up with anybody uh, thus far. So, you know, who knows? But I definitely think we're, we're heading towards the time where we're going to see Colin Kaepernick re-enter the league. I'll ask you this question here, Jay, and also you can tag on anything else you want to, uh, you know, respond to for what I just said. But who do you think it is? If it's not here in Jacksonville, do you, who do you think that team is that he does end up with? Do you think it's going to happen before training camp or do you think it's going to take somebody's starter or backup to maybe go down or, or you know what? Let me, let me also bring this up. So Eric, uh, my co-host over on the Wait For It podcast, made a very good point when we talked about Colin Kaepernick last week on an, on an episode of our other show. He thinks... He made the point that you may need a lot of quarterbacks in your room because we're, you just you just brought up COVID-19. What happens if, you know, somebody in your quarterback room gets sick and all of a sudden it spreads to everybody else in your quarterback room and you maybe have to bring an outside guy who hasn't, you know, taken any snap and why not bring in Colin Kaepernick? So, you may need a lot of quarterbacks this year if God forbid something happens. The University of Clemson just had 28 positive tests. Jay, we talked about this off the air. Uh, the University of Texas had 13. You know, this is going to happen. Uh, the MLB just came out and released numbers that 40 players as of right now have tested positive for coronavirus. Remember that, guys? Coronavirus hasn't gone anywhere. It's still here. We are still in a pandemic, although some of you are acting like it's not going on, Florida. But <laughs> that's another, again, another conversation for a totally different type of podcast. What, what do you think? I mean, who do you think that team is? And do you think it'd be beneficial for a team to have kind of a loaded quarterback room? Yeah, I'll say this first of all on the question, uh, something that you mentioned actually with Kaepernick in terms of the three years he spent away from football too. Yeah, with the type of quarterback he is too, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you This isn't a game. Football isn't a game where you go away for three years and you just come back and it's all daisies rosies and roses and petunias you know what i'm saying like it's a physical game and spending that much time away from the game could greatly affect your ability to come back or your ability when you come back or whatever the case may be and especially with the type of quarterback he is you know if they're going to use him in this spread option type of deal where he's going to take a lot of hits that is concerning that you know you want to bring a guy back that hasn't been hit in three years and all of a sudden he's getting piled on by you know three four guys and again you know like the, the league's a little bit it's evolved in in a way since he he last left and I mean that by the tackling now of course you know they don't allow head hits now and you know it's a little different you know I guess some people would say it's a little softer and, and, and what have you so maybe that'll benefit him but still at the end of the day man you're getting hit by we just talked about it like athletes like Kaleva and Chasen man like six four or whatever the case may be six five 245 you know these guys are just massive and just you know what i'm saying just specimens of nature man but that that definitely should be a concern too from that perspective uh in terms of spots off the top of my head uh i know la should be maybe one and that's because anthony lynn has definitely he you know he spoke out for getting cabinet um i think Miami is another one. Brian Flores, who that's another, again, another African-American coach who has spoke out against, you know, social injustice and all of the things that kind of, you know, you hear associated with Kaepernick as well. 
Um, so those are two teams that come to mind for me. And I mean, they already shown that they have this liking for athletic quarterbacks, if you will. Um, and you never know, they might trade Josh Rosen uh, because, you, like you said, it's just so much uncertainty with quarterbacks. Somebody might get sick. Then somebody might call the Miami Dolphins like, hey, what, what do you want to give up for Josh Rosen? We need a, a on the spot type of quarterback that has experience. May have to trade him. Whatever. Hey, case yeah. So my thing, just to try to not, and sorry to interrupt you, but as far as the Miami Dolphins goes, I mean, hasn't Steven Ross been pretty outspoken about how he feels about this type of thing, though? I mean, does that come into, uh, you know, come into discussion when True. you look at a guy like Steven Ross, you know? Yeah, I, I forgot about that, too. But now, like I said, again, now you have the commissioner. of the. It's a little different now. You have the commissioner of the NFL saying, Hey, I endorse this. And that that seems to be the trend here is when somebody, especially with the social, social injustice issues, you know, it takes one person to speak out. Then everybody else is open to it, you know? So, you know, I don't know if that, you know, that it would do much to change Stephen Ross's mind or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I guess I mentioned them because they have shown a liking to athletic quarterbacks as we saw with Tua Tagovailoa. Or I, I mess his name up, but I just call him Tua. I butcher it all the time. But they have shown a liking to those type of quarterbacks with Tua. And again, Brian Flores is it there who has spoke out against social injustice and has spoke out against these racial issues, despite Stephen Ross being owner. You know, like so. And Stephen Ross has no choice but to let him remain and, and let him say what he wants, which, you know, again, you know, this is America, freedom of speech, this, that, and the other. And Brian Flores, make no mistake about it, I think he's going to be a very good coach uh, down the road. You know, he might not have it all together right now, I mean, because they're a young team, uh, but, you know, Stephen Ross would be a fool to get rid of him for whatever reason. So that's why I mentioned them is because of, you know, like how they've spoken out or at least – Flores has spoken out against these type of things as well and and what they have in their quarterback room uh currently as well. So that that was one of the reasons. But um aside from them, like I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I'll probably have to further research it, but there are spots for Colin Kaepernick to be uh in, in the NFL. I mean, for crying out loud, especially for a backup sake, man. We're looking at guys that, you know, are that never took a down. In, in, in football, you know, in, in this case, like you said, we could be looking at a, a scenario where four quarterbacks go on to the opening day roster, you know, and, and for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you got somebody like Jake Luton, maybe due to COVID-19, making the main roster, you know, like, but would you rather trace uh, trust Jake Luton over Colin Kaepernick, who's actually played in the Super Bowl, who's actually been there, done that? You know what I'm saying? If you're going to have a four quarterback roster or whatever the case may be, dare I say five, I don't you know, I don't know how teams are going to do it. Uh, but we have seen, you know, the NFL kind of take these kind of measurements or precautions to add more players to their their rosters, potentially with the especially with the practice squad thing, which I wrote on. Uh, you know, they were saying and I'm not saying this is the case for Kaepernick because he's not practice squad eligible, but. You know, we've seen the NFL look into these kind of issues. They are concerned about COVID-19 causing problems. And, you know, they're going to, you know, they're at least talking about it with the NFLPA, expanding the practice squad roster from what I think it was 12 to 16 players. Because, you know, you might have to rely on some of those guys. But 
my point that I'm trying to make is why not, you know what I'm saying? If you're going to take four quarterbacks on the roster, maybe take a Colin Kaepernick on the roster who has experience instead of bringing or plucking a Jake Luton off a of practice squad if he isn't on the main roster. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you there as far as uh, I think it's a not a a what if, but a, a when it happens in terms of somebody's quarterback or quarterback room, as I mentioned before, you know, contracting COVID and it taking out, you know, who knows how many members of the roster, what happens, you know, because you, you follow the, um, I can't remember what the term is used, but you know, you follow the line that they've been following as far as who, who have they come into interaction with, you know, in that, in that amount of time before they found out they tested positive. I think we're going to, we are definitely going to have that eventually. And it makes a lot of sense to bring in a guy who of course has experience you, you, who are you going to want to throw out there? Colin Kaepernick or, or Jake Luton, who might not be very good, who wasn't on anybody's radar as far as quarterbacks being taken. Um, the team that I think of, Jay, is actually in that same division. And I look at Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, he can he can be a little iffy. Uh, he, I mean, if he has been to the playoffs. He has shown, you know, glimpses. They, of course, brought over Stephon Diggs. Now, if you look at their quarterback room, they got Matt Barkley. Um, you know, he's who he is. He's a journeyman. Jake Fromm, of course, has come under fire in the during the offseason because of some past tweets. I think Buffalo makes a lot of sense. People have been throwing out Cleveland as well. And then, of course, there were those other teams that were listed. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't think, is a spot because they have Jalen Hurts, who I think they're going to use, you know, a lot like uh, how Colin Kaepernick, you know, was used when he was in San Francisco. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, that might be a good fit because, they, of course, they know who their starter is. Tennessee Titans, maybe you bring him in. Uh, the Chargers, I think, are the most likely team. Um, as Anthony Lynn has come out and said, you know, he he fits what they're going to do. But I think a team to keep an eye on would be the Buffalo Bills to have him back up Josh Allen, maybe. Yeah, that's a good spot. Um, because right off the top of my head, when you said the Buffalo Bills, uh, my mind immediately went to, uh, immediately went to thinking about for one, their coach Sean McDermott. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he did come from Carolina, right? I think he was their defensive coordinator uh, before becoming the head coach there in Buffalo. Uh, you think about what he had there, and um, it was uh, Cam Newton. And I think in the past they've, you know, they liked those type of quarterbacks too, um, in terms of the athleticism and the running ability. Uh, because you look at uh, they had Tyrod Taylor when they played us in uh, 2017 in the Wild. I think that was the wild card game. And I think Sean McDermott was there. And then again, you, um, like I said, with the ownership, you know, when I mentioned ownership before, um, and last week we actually, or the last podcast, we mentioned this in um, Kim Pagula, wife of Terry Pagula, one of two minority owners in football. Of course, the other is Shad Khan, our own. Uh, so, you know, maybe, you know, she, she could have an input on that type of deal because, you know, it does a lot of this, bringing Colin Kaepernick in the league probably might come down to ownership. Maybe she's somebody that would definitely sign off on that. Uh, but only time will tell. That's a great fit, though. I mean, and you, you look at, like you said, um, what they have in their quarterback room currently, Josh Allen, similar type of quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a good fit. Ultimately, I think what we would just love to see, Jay, is to see him get back in the league and, get back to doing his his job. You know, he has worked so very hard and just, you know, what he's, you know, he's, he represents and what he's been trying to tell us all this time, which now we're, it seems like the rest of the country is finally 
getting on board. Now, why it took so long, again, another conversation for another day on another podcast. But uh, I really do hope we get to see that news that someone has brought him in for that workout and ultimately signed him to their team. So um, it's yet to be seen when and where that is going to happen. But there are definitely quite a few destinations that make sense. Uh, Jay, I don't know if I ever told you, but I have seen uh, customized Kaepernick jersey, Jaguar jerseys at at the stadium before. Uh, only a few, but I have seen them before. So there is a part of the fan base, I think, that would, and I think it would be a majority. I, I, I'm, we're going to put this on a Twitter poll as well, as far as Colin Kaepernick. I think it would be a majority as far as you know wanting to bring him in uh, to the to the team. And uh, we'll be, I'll be interested to see how that pans out going forward. But, you know, before this this episode started, we talked about it being one of our shorter ones. It ended up being just as long as all the rest. Because, hey, what what can we say? We're two passionate guys. We love this team. And we're looking to bring you, you know, just as much content as we can. During these trying times, we really appreciate all of you that take your time to listen to this. And I know right now, especially where the country is, a lot of you may not be looking for this kind of content, uh, and maybe some of you are. Maybe you're looking for a little bit of an escape. So for both of those parties, you know, we really appreciate you coming and checking out the show. Jay, uh, I'll close this out here in just a minute, but uh, what do they have to look forward to in terms of the site and uh, maybe even the podcast, what we have coming down the line? Yeah, we've reached out to some people this weekend, as a matter of fact, about having some um some I guess some guests that people will recognize nationally. You know, I'm not talking about Ian Rappaport again. <laughs> but uh we reached out to some people. We'll see where that goes as well. Um I still haven't got around to it, but I still have to finish my depth chart predictions for the defensive side. And I probably need to get that done before training camp starts, which will be uh, as I reported, I think uh July the twenty seventh or somewhere in that ballpark. So uh, that is if we're going to have football. So look forward to that as well. And, uh, yeah, look forward to us to keep doing what we do best here on the Jaguars or believe in the Jaguars podcast. I mean, Jay, the last time we had Rappaport on, we ended up making national news all over the place. So, I mean, I, I'm not against having Ian on every week, but I don't think that he would <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> but, yeah, we definitely have some uh, some guests, that, some really exciting people that we reached out to. Um, I, Jay, I'm still waiting on you to reach out to Colin Johnson for me. Uh, that has not happened yet. I'm very upset, but I still believe in you. And, I, and hopefully we can get I actually did, bro. on. <laughs> okay, great. Because <laughs> yeah. I reached out to him on Twitter and he did not respond. So <laughs> he, did not, he has not gotten back to us, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but that being said, you guys, again, if you enjoyed this show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and subscribe. That's one of the best ways you can support us. You can also find us on all of your favorite streaming sites. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Again, you can find us part of the Believe.com library, as well as at Believe Podcast. Social media, we are at Believe in Jags Pod, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Sports Grind underscore Don. Send us your questions. We are gathering questions for a, another episode here in the future. We really, really appreciate any of your input. So thank you guys so much. Again, stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Take care of each other. Be good to each other. And, you know, just keep fighting that good fight. We uh, we really, really 
appreciate each and every one of you. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Philip Smith. That's James Johnson. We certainly believe. Do you? We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you.